Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Currency Podcast. It's great to have you on. There's electricity in the air. The It's the electrons. There's current in the air. There's current everywhere. Uh, current just takes different forms, and it's only at the point it takes a form that it's, like, worth something. It has to be formed into something. It has to take shape or, like, delineation or it has to look like an octagon or something. As long as uh, somebody made an octagon, octagon is it's, is a brand. Uh, probably, because you can have octagons that aren't in like an equal, e- equilateral octagon. Yeah, equilateral, where all eight sides are the same length. You can have octagons that don't, uh, that aren't equal length, all eight sides. But anything with eight sides, this is a this is a specific category, and that's currency when it takes a certain form. Why would that be currency? You might ask. Uh, I'm just talking about that. Whatever's in the air. How else do you form? How else do you form? Like something has to be formed as something as long as we're talking in words and describing things. I think that when people make like the counseling services of Larry and Carbuncle and then they open a building and then they're the counselors that do that and I know that it sounds more like a law firm but so they might not get that many customers but it's kind of like if it's counseling versus psychiatry you're going to get different um, different words different characteristics describe like counseling but it's like Counseling is therapy, psychiatry. I don't know what they used to call it. It seems like therapy is kind of the thing that you call that now. And like it's always been, like people always call it that, uh, like psychiatry and stuff like that. It's just like it seems pretty less popular to describe that thing as psychiatry. But um, I would argue that different decorations accompany different ways that you would describe this same field like you might describe it as psychiatry but if you're a psychiatrist you're going to decorate your office a little bit different um than if you're a a therapist or a, a counselor i mean at least slightly different but like different different buildings arise with different decorations like a law firm is supposed to look different from um psychiatry or counseling but it's kind of weird when, because they can all look the same, like the buildings for these places, they can all look the same. Like if a city, um, if it's a rich city and then they just make everything out of like this, that new wave, modern brick, but I guess you'd probably say postmodern, but like modern is an era, like the era that we describe what is new or relevant to be modern is over. And then we're like, uh, we're trying to still describe things that are current, but now we've like, at some point we use up modern or actually modern, modern actually gets represented in specific images like modern architecture. Uh, when at the time we're just trying to describe it as like, okay, this is the new thing. This is relevant. And then we're like, uh, then it gets defined modern does to certain ways that it looks. And then we have to come up with a different word that supersedes it like postmodern it's just that then we head towards an era 
I yeah, don't, I I don't know if I've described that before. Like how it's the same with people use the word pre, the prefix neo in front of things like neo feudalism, neo anything, neo modern. You could say neo modern would just be new modern. Like that's a way that you could go past postmodern of describing what's modern in a new way. You could call it neo modern because that neo is just a prefix that means new. And so now we enter an era where neo is like the the art, the way that you de- the fashion that you describe new things as, as opposed to just new or like postmodern or something. And um, yes, I've described I've described this at least briefly before, but like modern gets pictured in certain ways that are uh, like irreversible or like we can't. Now we know, we define modern to be a certain thing, and then it's more difficult to say new things within the realm of modern, the word, like, exploit new territories of what is modern in terms of architecture and sculpture or anything that you're, like, saying this is modern artistically. Uh, It becomes more difficult to exploit territories within that over time and then we come up with a completely new realm or field postmodern even though that like i know that that's pretty similar but i'm saying like the new word then allows for all this new territory like oh all of a sudden all of this territory is open up to us but that's like uh money creation basically and then an important argument with money is that like is it all a giant pie and then if somebody is making money somewhere then they're taking money from somebody else like this is kind of a myth it's something that people consistently might think as a result of tropes that we introduce in society about people in africa are always starving and like um well i mean like there always be poor people in comparison like relatively speaking uh in the world that we live in is so plutocratic so like values the people who have the most money that it's difficult to explain the world it's difficult to say that the world is not a caste system like it is a caste system and you're in a bunch of different classes of people like uh it's difficult to say that there aren't classes there aren't the rich and the poor because that's because the world is financially unequal and that's a result of the like we value people who have the most money we value money itself or like basically we use money as a determiner to say who is the best and as a result like you're always going to have poor people in this in this society in the structure that we live in is like always classist because we use money as a determiner to say who's right and who's wrong because like yeah like all everybody's gonna listen to there's so many people that listen to jeff bezos or elon musk just because they have the most money but like how could you not because really at the end of the day if you don't have like if you don't have a billion dollars you're nowhere close to as as right as they were but it's i'm just saying i'm not saying that that's the best system like it's a really great way to figure things out is to divide everything by classes and who what groups of money money categories uh, money brackets but that's the way that it happens and so what is the like uh we and you see that it's true because of how famous the richest among us 
get. Like people who are billionaires are instantly famous, and it's almost to the point now that billionaire is a more substantial way of determining whether you're worthy of your fame in comparison to like Hollywood celebrities. Billionaire is a more evidential, authoritative uh, person that you could look to than somebody that we're just celebrating for being good at acting or I mean like Hollywood celebrity that has its own they have their own authority which is like an authority over acting the best and we like them the most like you wouldn't very easily point to why do we like why do we value somebody who wins the best actor and I know that like you think here's what you think People might be pissed at Hollywood because they're just pissed at them. They'd be like, we don't care about a best actor or anything. But uh, we, I mean, as a society, we value this quite a bit. The best filmmakers and best actors and actresses. Like, why do we like acting so much? I would argue is because everybody's acting all the time. Everything is kind of performancy. I don't know what is the benefit of describing things that way. I've, I've mentioned that before on here. Um... I heard Tim Heidecker say it. He's my favorite comedian, probably. He said, I heard him say in an interview once that everything is a performance. And so I'm kind of processing that he said that. And I I generally agree, but only because um, the way that you present yourself is like always a presentation. It has to be presented. It has to be packaged a certain way. Like if you meet friends at a bar, that bar is packaging itself a certain way. It's taken on a specific form of money or like just kind of current that's in the air that was waiting to be shaped and integrated as something. And then they created that bar. They entered it into the system as an enterprise and then they gave it specific branding and logo and like font for the words so that it was that they can sell it to people a certain way i mean like a bar has a theme even if it's sort of sometimes their bar themes are more indiscernible but they they have to be named something and they package the bar as something you meet people at a bar this is like uh this is a specific way of presenting yourself because you are doing it under the context of the bar which is a specific presentation but any this is the same for any place that you meet anybody. It's like kind of because we know definitions so well. Um, because we know definitions so well, I guess that is part of why it makes it difficult to escape the presented way of doing things. Not that you or anybody looks at it that way when it's happening oh like this is a presentation because typically we'd say like well if you get on a stage then that's a presentation because you're actually presenting something but i think that it's all like they're all stages just relatively so it's just that the ones that you're just hanging out with friends this is so much more casual a stage that um i mean there's still like it's just it's just like I, i'm talking about how you appear a certain way, you only get to appear um, as one thing. But, like, I think that if you, like, because there's literalist people that talk about um, literal things. There's people that are going to want to take everything you say literally and then steer you in a more literal direction, like 
people can have the opportunity to be controlling in the area of literality where they can always just take what you said and be like, well, I have no idea what you said beyond what it sounds like on the surface level. Like, so, um, therefore sarcasm is kind of out the window or me trying to figure out what your intentions are. That doesn't count because like, if you said something like, don't be encrypting about it. The only thing that like people can use literalness, this medium, this ideology, literality, uh, this idea, they can use it to uh, say that they don't have to do any work to figure out what you're saying. And because like it's a valid argument to say like, well, as far as anybody knows, you said it this way. So how am I supposed to discern any anything in your intentions or whatever? I think that if you agree with that ideology, there's no difference between that and saying like, well, whatever way that you appeared is how you are. Like you appeared in front of me this certain way. The best that I can tell, like, um, I'm saying that if you judge people's words that way, you might as well judge people's appearances the same way because they appeared somewhere and then if you believe in literalness, you would say like, well, literally you in front of me appear this certain way. I don't know what went into you looking this way, like whether you put on makeup or the facial expressions you're doing are too exaggerated or whatever. Like, um, it doesn't matter just whatever it looks like on the surface and the way that I interpret it in my mind, the way that you looked in this moment, it doesn't matter that the whole rest of the week I didn't see you or the whole rest of like the last three days I didn't see you and like you were doing all these other things and you had this whole other life that built towards the way that you look in moments where you surface for other people or whatever like it um all that matters is the way that you look like you if you think literalness is a way of explaining life to yourself just then you're also uh, completely appearances. Everything would be about appearances to you. It's the same thing as saying like, well, the appearance of as far as the way that it sounded on the surface is the only thing that anybody can tell. It's the way that you looked in these moments, despite the fact that most of your life isn't these moments or like on this specific stage in this place around this group of people. Like if you, but, and um, the point that I'm making is that like I, you can do that. Um, it's I would I would just argue that it's not intelligent and you're not doing any work to figure out anything about a person if you're just going to chalk it up to the thing that you th you're just making it about yourself and the way that you interpret words. Like well, as best I can describe it, based on the way that you looked in this one moment, because I can't go off anything other than how you look or how you sound momentarily. I don't have to do any work. Like, uh, if you're doing that, then you're just, and there are people that do that, or they're like, I don't know, they're, they just wouldn't devote any work or time to, uh, they're like, it doesn't matter that I figure out anything more about you besides the surface. I guess those people are just more s superficial. Um, and there are superficial people in the world. It's just that it's not intelligent because you're not going anywhere further to say like you're not trying to discern different data with or nuances within what somebody is saying and then like try to figure out the intentions or compare what they're saying to other what other people have said like make a network of things 
the data that you can make comparisons against like and people do this to relative degrees where they're going to compare what they see in you to what they've seen in other people and uh, i'd say maybe the more comparison you do is probably the more intelligent that it becomes or like the more data that you're going to look at to, to a actually try to figure out what somebody's saying because you just won't get very specific with what somebody's saying and like not f and for like not for everybody should you do all that work to try to figure it out because for a lot of people it probably wouldn't be even be worth it for you to make a lot of like uh, analyze a lot of data to try to figure out who a person truly is but i'm talking about how like the Eskimos had 20 different words for snow or something like that. But in like uh, English, Americans have like four of them. But that's because um, that's because Eskimos had so much data for snow because they had so much experience with it that they just more and more specifically categorize snow and all these different descriptions. And so uh snow took all these different forms they were able to they were able to create or discern all of these different patterns and like as many patterns as they discerned are as many that they gave names to and you can do that with what you see in other people if you want to um like the more that you see them is the more that your life is their life really and the more and uh I'm just talking I'm just talking about specificity and intelligence. I'm not saying anything moral. Uh but like I guess if I was getting angry like I'm ranting about something then I might be impressed trying to impress my morality on whoever's listening. Like if I was angry about something specific, like uh it might be a little worrisome when people are getting angry about something that's really specific and then they're telling it to you like you should care because like when somebody's angry about something specific it's almost always their own bullshit and like that they want that they would take you along for the ride uh it's doesn't doesn't matter <laughs> it just might be more they might just be more passionate um what what was i going to say to you today i didn't really start saying necessarily anything that i wanted to start saying i've been watching a lot of oliver tree music videos and he's like he's maybe one of the most intelligent people in all of pop culture right now that you would find on the internet he's maybe one of the most intelligent people because um because of the way that he is um besides that he does all of his music like he's a writer and producer and he directs all the films for his music videos and stuff like that um he's just kind of a genius i saw him on the logan paul podcast i saw him on impulsive and he tore them to shreds oliver tree on impulsive it's probably the best podcast episode that i've seen this year because um Oliver Tree tore Logan Paul to shreds and his crew, like he's totally making fun of him. It was it was shocking. But what's really weird is that when um like people watch that and they watch these clashings of guests on podcasts and they don't necessarily think that there's this battle going on or they don't they don't um filter it that way, they don't look at it through that lens. But 
Oliver Tree is one of the most intelligent people in pop culture because he knows that this is always the case. Every time that somebody's on somebody else's podcast, it's just a competition and you're just trying to screw with each other because Oliver Tree has its own platform and you're lying to yourself if um, if you're saying that it's not this giant competition, even though Oliver Tree isn't a podcaster and like Logan Paul is primarily known for his podcast and for boxing, but he's not the one of the two of them between him and Jake Paul that's better known for boxing. Logan Paul is maybe more known for his podcast, but they had Oliver Tree on and Logan Paul, like, I guess didn't know enough about him or like, uh, but pretty much Logan Paul didn't have anything to say for the last 40 minutes of the podcast because Oliver Tree was just roasting him the whole time and Logan Paul didn't understand what was going on. And it was it was terrific to watch, but this will happen at different places, at different podcasts. Like Logan Paul will be fine because he he's the kind of person who's like always trying to learn. So he's probably just going to go and try to figure out everything about Oliver Tree uh, now that he has encountered like the full picture of him. Um, I'm just I'm just talking about Oliver Tree from what I've seen in interviews. But he put out this album called Cowboy Tears recently. It's a country album. But it's like, um, it's country kind of along the lines of, it's not like Lil Nas X, but it's new country, like in, in the direction of saying that, well, country music can still work in these ways. Like if you do it sort of ironically, uh, he made an album like that. He made a country album, but he's like, it's a pop album and it's a, it's a really great album and it's like a theme. It's a concept album. But the like concept album just kind of gets clowned on as a term because it's so overused. But this is actually a concept album. He Oliver Tree dresses up as a cowboy, but wears the same outfit like every day of his life since he started making this album because he's really committed to being an artist. And Oliver Tree went on Impulsive and he made fun of Logan Paul because he's like, oh, you're not an artist. Or like, are you going to be one? Because you're not. But this is like, he found the perfect description, descriptor for like, oh, you're not exactly this, like something that's right on the borderline of what applies to Logan Paul. Like, oh, he's not exactly an artist. So it's like a perfect thing to make fun of him for. And um, he basically, but Oliver Tree will go on to people's podcasts and roast them. He, he goes on the H3H3 one and tries to roast them, but they're just more like memes already there like h3 uh ethan klein is already ready to be made fun of he doesn't care at all he's already on the bottom or something like that and so oliver tree making fun of him on the h3 podcast really has no effect but like logan paul is more serious or more like he's more serious and he's not going to be like He's not going to be happy about you treating him like he's a joke, but Oliver Tree is going to, like, based on the way that he does things, and he's uh, basically one of the most entertaining guests you could get on a podcast regardless, um, because he will go that far, but this is like, this is almost just a new development in art, and podcasting itself is, it's already the case all of this is a competition when one podcaster goes on another uh, podcast. Um... It's just that the world of podcasting currently doesn't treat it that way. Oliver Tree is like ahead of his time. He's going he's going where it needs to go and where it will go. It's just like uh, people should 
if they're better at their job, they're going to be more willing to confront each other or act like um, uh, disagreeable on disagreeability like the podcasting world needs a lot more disagreeability and oliver tree is bringing this to the world but i've just been watching so many oliver tree videos because i wasn't really a fan of him until a week ago and now i'm a big fan because oliver tree is a guy who's like riding scooters around and wearing those giant blue jeans that have like massive hoops at the bottom that cover his whole feet and like uh this pink and purple uh windbreaker jacket and uh if you like maybe you would know who he was just by me describing him or like you should probably already know who he was but he was that was a character he was before he became this cowboy and like it was difficult i would have found it difficult to take him seriously i didn't know if he was just a clown or something but now that he's uh now that he's doing other things it's easier now that i have this more context about it it's easier to see that he's just like a genius but um so that's that's what's going on with Oliver Tree. Um, that's that's part of my life. That's me. All of that that I said about him that is actually brought to you by me. That's like in the office when Michael says, "You miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take." Wayne Gretzky, and then he takes the quote as himself. Says Michael Scott said that that Green Wayne Gretzky said that. So when all this that Oliver Tree is like made this brilliant album. That's uh, me telling you about that means that I basically made that album. So, and it's sad that in some small way I am presenting it like that, like honestly. But, um, hey, that's a take on it. I'll have guests on here eventually, okay? Just give me some time. I'm only 29 years old. I can do whatever I want as long as I don't die, Okay. So you just got to give me time. I can, I'll figure it out at some point. Right now I'm just doing this and that's real cool for me. And uh, I'm doing this and then I do stand up. Stand up in the city. You can come out and see me do stand up if you want to. Um, in case you live in the Columbus area, I often go to fours on Wednesdays. So... Come out and watch me do comedy, motherfuckers, you, you guys. Um, if you want to, I have no idea what amount of my listening audience is in the Columbus area. Columbus probably doesn't even know I'm even here. Columbus doesn't even know that I'm here. That's because I don't have enough guests on. And, um, like, I'm dead serious about that. Let me tell you about, um... People like the world, the human consciousness and different forms that it takes. Like um, every person that exists is a different reflection of human consciousness or really of consciousness itself. But I, wanna, I want to specifically talk about humanity, the way that humans represent consciousness. Because like a dog is maybe relatively conscious, so you could almost say that that's a reflection of consciousness. Like monkeys are sort of conscious, they do things that are more conscious than dogs. It's just that humans are the only things conscious enough that we are like, we typically describe them as being conscious. And um, like the, the thing is that I... Um, I'm a little apprehensive today. I don't know. I don't know why. 
I'm apprehensive. I don't want to sound certain ways. Um, it's fun to relax, I guess, probably. It's better to relax and then just say whatever the thing is. It's just that people, um, people take different forms, but like a person versus another person, these are different. Uh, like another person that you see out in the world, this is just a different situation, a different configuration of a human. It's a different example of a human. It's really basically the same one as yours. It's just that this is a human, but in different contexts, like a different, different character traits, different like experiences that brought them up, like a different life or just a different situation. Every person that you see is really just a different set of circumstances for you. Like I'm making the point that everybody is everybody else. Like when you see everybody out in the world, we are all one. And, um, like humans specifically, every human you see is just a different derivative of humanity, but it's just a different picture of it or a different image, a different description that was born out of what are just different circumstances to the life that you have or other lives that you've seen that, you know, like a different life is just a different situation. It's like a different, like everybody is a character and because they're all symbolic in that way, everybody is an idea that they get shaped a certain way and then they come out a certain way based on like DNA and then what, wherever they grew up, like different cultures, even state to state, like Minnesota versus North Dakota. And those aren't great examples because they're very similar, probably <laughs> acting groups of people like California versus Nevada. Those are different cultures and you're going to grow up slightly differently besides DNA, but like it's a different product as a person. And so I think that this gives you the right to be a character or like take that as far as you want, or it's almost like the, in, the entire world is a game and any, all, all the shit that we're doing is just in the name of winning a game or a lot of it is like that. You're going to go and make yourself out to be anything. Um, it helps to have, friends you know it helps to be more well connected like that people do things in the name of having more friends being more well connected and i know that not everybody does obviously it doesn't even need to be said that i just said that but well not everybody i don't need to account for everybody in the world because i can't do that so like let me go down every eventuality and it's that's what it is though people are different eventualities different means to an end a different result that's different humans are different results. They're a different description, expression, reflection of humans or of like of consciousness, um, but specifically human consciousness. I wouldn't say consciousness. I think a human would actually be a better way than because if I'm saying they're different descriptions of consciousness, then I'm including animals in my opinion, because animals are relatively conscious. So I'm saying, um, humans i'm looking at that field but they're just like a different one is a different derivative and then we're all kind of we're all connected in that way to the point that when you express ideas they're probably represented in some in some percentage of humanity like everybody sort of is everybody else it's just like a different a, a, a variation of it 
and like we can get we can get mind viruses where everybody has the same one and some of them apply to everybody like uh like cell phones maybe it's like a mind virus but um just the difference between the internal and the external world is an important one that we have this divider between our mind and then what happens outside of it internal and external like subjective and objective and um like mental and physical whatever that divider is it's sort of like saying um it's like saying that it isn't relative whatever it has whatever is happening what what you're thinking about versus what you're doing the divider between thoughts and actions is such a harsh divide it's so uh like you could say stigmatized it's not really stigmatized like what does it stigmatize it might stigmatize the outside world just for any person because we have because we have language for in and out and we express this and reinforce this to each other with the way that we talk about things and like so uh what is the alternative to categorizing things between internal and external or even just all these in versus x words like inhaling and exhaling where inhaling goes in and then exhaling goes out like um this maybe is an important distinction just for consciousness itself or like related to us describing things to be conscious is uh this divide between what you're thinking about which is kind of more metaphysical or like oh that's more nebulous or we can't pin it down the thoughts that somebody has they're more ideas and then the physical um like conscious versus subconscious like and that's part of the reason why we like i would say there's an overemphasis on us describing things to be conscious this maybe is at the behest of describing things to be subconscious but that's the only way that you really get past something I'm saying that maybe the world and the podcasting world describes things in terms of consciousness too much. This is an important topic, but they only stop doing that once they recognize the opposing side and then give that as much speech like subconsciousness or in other words, like the world of dreams or the world that goes more in the direction of saying things are symbolic or figurative. Um, but that there's a divide between these two things and we give so much power to this divide is not it's not positive it's kind of like there's this blockade that goes over everybody's face but and we describe this in the way that people wear masks like and so there are very many ways that you can wear a mask there are very many identities that you can say i am this identity and then you you add it to your person essentially even if it's not a literal mask it's like you're gonna have certain facial expressions that go along with different pretentious airs of importance that you're putting on in life and so you might have a giant collection of them or like you might get into the territory of thinking you need to uphold lots of these characters at one time and so um like identities are all different characters and like you might be like we say you're wearing lots of masks if you are fake you're wearing too many 
for pretend you're putting on airs too much or you're pretentious like um exploring that idea that wearing masks is bad uh that would be the same thing as saying that having lots of different characters is bad or something like because you can be um you can be a daredevil stuntman uh, just on the side. Maybe you don't do it for life. And I mean, but it's not a bad thing to go into. It's not a bad thing to like be a stuntman and then you're, then is that like a mask that you wear? Maybe it's just a dumb thing to say that masks are always bad because, or like, oh, are you going to be, like if you're a stuntman, somewhat consistently and then you have to go and be that whenever you pull off a major stunt uh or like you're a telephone wire walker and not a telephone wire wire walker or anything like that you kind of have to go into that character like oh now i am this great magician that's going to pull this off or if you're david blaine or something like david blaine has to wear the magician mask obviously but it, and so what does that say about the necessity of characters or like whether they're good or bad? Is it good or bad to try to be a character too much? Like the way that Oliver Tree is. Um, like he, like Oliver Tree will be a character consistent, like com consistently he's his character like in public life and in private life all the time. He does that as devotion to art. And then he switched it up, and now he's like a completely new character. But he's just clowning on people themselves, or like, um, I don't know. It's it's just that you are a character anyway. So is it good to add lots of masks? Or like have a bunch bunch of identities? Or like, would it always be a mask? Like, is it's not really, it's, it's like for Oliver Tree, the mask that he's putting on becomes him. And that is something that you're supposed to be afraid of. That's something that horror movies and the Goosebump series attacks as being horrific or something you need to avoid. Like when the mask becomes who you are, that like that's not that's uh, the worst possible result, right? But like Oliver Tree does it, and it's the most artistic thing, and it's actually brilliant. And so it's like putting on a new mask permanently isn't. A, isn't a bad thing, but it's like, I'd say that every, everybody is already the name that they are. Like you kind of have to be something you like when you are yourself and you're one title, you're making good on that person that you are for everybody all the time. And I would argue that if you were titled something different, like if you switched your name, your first and last name tomorrow and then re reintroduce yourself to everybody that you knew and and also all the new people you haven't met yet. For the new people you haven't met, that kind of gives you the opportunity to be completely different. The same as if you move to another city that's a fresh start, you can act differently or like it's easier to put behind you the things that you thought were defining you or something. It's like a new start. If you came up, if you went out in life as a different name tomorrow than the one that you've been your whole life, like that would clear some things up. You could start being different. You're like, I'm this now. That's because the name that you have is a powerful motivator. You're, and it's like, since we are expected to always have the same one, it's just, it's, it's limiting to us, especially when 
ultimately that's just a social construct because we're expected to like be loyal to the family name or something it's just there's social constructs that eh, like ultimately they aren't actually completely necessary or it's like difficult to say what they're necessary for at all but you can't just like you're more relatively you're speaking lunacy if you think well everybody should just have new names all the time uh but it's really like if you just allow the world to be more relative and more intelligent more specific then you would recognize that people are different things on different days we just don't express this literally because we screw with the idea that we are different on different days by saying oh we're actually the same one every day it's in the fashion of the way that we've just been doing it for a thousand last thousand years like well you have a first last name you're that every day of your life it's really like it's um it's imprisoning to every individual person on the earth you give them a name and then they have to be that every day it's imprisoning that this social construct is upheld and reinforced by everybody. It's imprisoning to all individuals because it makes them be one thing where they are actually very many things. It's a lie to say that every, it's a lie to say you're one thing, but like um, being one thing is not like, it's not helpful or like everything in moderation I would have thought it's the things that are addictions to you. The things that kill you are the things that you just do over and over and over again. But like, that's the sign of a shitty life or that's a sign of having problems. A problem is something that you keep having to do over and over and over again versus that you could moderate it out of existence uh, or in other words, sort of like narrate it or make it more feasible and um, manageable. Problems are the thing. Problems are things that you fixate on, or things that you keep bringing up over and over and over again. Like if you want to know whether or not something's a problem to you, does your mind return to it like every day, or like, uh, like in some senses, I would say that my dog is a problem for me. Like problems are kind of like protuberances. Like this dog is always in the way because my mind consistently tells me oh, like, this dog sucks, or, like, I don't like him, or, like, you should get rid of this dog, or something like that. And um, he's always there. Like, I always have to silence that voice of mine. And most people would say, good, that's what you're expected. Like, that's what you should do. And I would say that maybe that's... I, I think that's only what I should do just because that's what I'm expected to do by society. But society is also this thing that... um like I'm blaming it on or like I'm blaming things on society like uh, rather than um, like I should recognize that society is a version of society rather than make it this nebulous generalizing word or group that like ill-defined group that I'm like blaming things on because that's what a lot of people do with society is that like society is something that's there to take the blame kind of like Jesus or something like that, where you can blame all of the problems on it. Or you're like, like you can blame society, like society is the problem, but that's sort of what society as a technology is designed to do. 
besides that, like a society is physically the group of people that surrounds you. Um, like as a word and as an idea, as a technology, it is, it can take the blame for you where it's like, I would blame society for me always having this dog because social constructs would say that you have to have this dog until the day that he dies. And then like, I follow through with that because of society, then I'm just blaming society for something that I, w that I have control over in actuality. Like I can get rid of this dog whenever I want, but there are things like this that, uh, society exists for me. I can give them the blame. And then what, in my opinion, results is something like a, it's like a problem that always results like, and I know that and this is my, this is my issue. This is my problem because the dog is specifically mine and that's why it might be a problem and for me especially and not for other people is because i this specific dog versus that there's lots of dogs like it's the same i have the opportunity to generalize dogs themselves or say like oh it's actually all dogs that are the problem rather than look at what's right in front of me or like if i'm constantly telling myself to get rid of this dog but like let me say this is that there is no, um, I don't think that there's any reason to have a dog for two years versus having him for, so I've had my dog for two and a half years. Um, like, I understand that any blame that I would receive upon getting rid of my dog would be my own because that just makes you a bad person in the eyes of society. It's like, you, oh, you can't have a dog for two years and get rid of him. You have to have him for 10 years. But it's because the world is like, well, you have to, because you have to stay committed to this decision but it's like i already did that for two years what is the difference between me staying committed to this decision for 10 years versus two years is there really anything different about it the only thing that ever results is an anecdote where you're like yeah i had a dog that's the only thing that this amounts to because he's not going to grow up and become a doctor and make me proud or anything like that so the only thing that it is like, oh, yeah, I had a dog. What difference does it make that in 14 years I'll be like, oh, yeah, I had a dog for two years versus, yeah, I had him for 12 years. What? Why is one of those better than the other? Is is there something that somebody can tell me about that? Think about that amongst yourselves. But I know that the response would be like, well, you're because be a good person or be a good person and whatever take care of your dog who needs you my dog doesn't need me though if i gave him to somebody else also additionally there's nothing he doesn't need me more than somebody else who would take care of him um there is no why is he in this situation at all why why are there but why are they selling dogs whatever it doesn't forget about that part of it um uh literally though but the, it's because society expects me to be married to this dog, and that's what it is, is that I'm married to him, and because, like, there weren't... But I'm talking about the, the word itself, because that's what's happening. It's like we're both living in this house all the time. It's like being married. Um, and the world is like, oh, you need to keep saying married, because married is, is that. Anytime that you're with anybody, like the same person for three years, like being married to an idea is pretty well expressed in you living with that idea 
like you living with the same person in the same house or the same dog for three years is being married to the idea of living with them. You're, it is like marriage. It's just that we uh, have this standard for marriage where we say you need to get like a legal, you need a certificate, a license and uh, a certificate, a participation trophy that's required. That's what I want when I get married. I don't want any vows. No. And now you may kiss the bride. None of that. Just like a participation paper that says you got married and then I'll go and live in my apartment separate from my wife because, um, it's like people will say, well, if you're not, you're not getting married, maybe you're just afraid of commitment. What's the problem? What's the issue? If you can, it's just like emotional issues that prevent you from making a commitment like that. Um, I don't know. I think there's something to be said about being polyamorous and like it, polyam polyamorous isn't worse than a uh, marriage for life with one person. I don't see how morally speaking, um, well, I guess morally speaking, it's just like morality is more integrating. And so marriage with one person is an obvious picture of integration with one other person. Polyamorous where you would have multiple lovers uh, and that's more ambiguous, that actually is not, that actually is immoral because it's not very integrating. But in some senses, you could say it's more integrating because you're including more people. Like, people need the picture of integration to play out a specific way is why we need marriage to be one man and one woman for everybody. But, um, like, I don't, I don't see any reason why... It would be, it's not worse in my opinion to get rid of a dog after two years, but I keep him around like, and then I blame society, like society expects me or they're going to get mad at me. Like it's weird that this, this thing that I'm not assigning really a specific name or a face to, it's like, oh, the group of people, the world around me will tell me that I can't do this. And then that's, what's preventing me from getting rid of him. And so, but it's like shame can be a powerful motivator as we see with Putin in Russia and then the world shames him and he's like, oh, I don't know. Then he gets kind of butthurt about it. Uh, like his boner isn't as big for invading Ukraine now just because everybody is kind of like pissed at him. He's like, oh, I want to be accepted though. I'll take the troops out or something like that. I mean, I don't know if he'll keep invading or whatever. Um, like, um, uh, what, what am I saying? I'm saying that, like, marriage... Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, how about that? Lost my train of thought. Polya polyamoridy. Polyamoridy. Because, like, this is two years. Why? It's just people... It's for a story, but what I was going to say is, um, commitment, like, oh, you're, you're afraid of commitment. That's why you don't get married. It's not really commitment why I wouldn't get married. It's like that there's a hundred commitments that are involved at the very point that you're married. Like it would be okay to be married just to find somebody like, okay, now I won't be alone because I have this person to go back to. Like, it'd be cool to not be alone for the rest of my life. Um, so that's why marriage would be cool, but um, like it's, 
I would make it so that we lived in different apartments at the point that we got married. Definitely not sleep in the same bed because that's not comfortable and it's not practical. Uh, and I doubt that either of us would want to live in the same apartment for the entire time that we were married. Like, uh, as long as we were married and then we got to see each other whenever we wanted, that would be much more manageable and a lot more practical, if you ask me. That's why I wouldn't get married is because there's a lot of irrational commitments that society would expect me to fulfill that don't make any sense. It's not commitment. I would commit to being married. No, it's not. Commitment isn't a problem. And, um... So now you know that I'm a bad person. I'm not a bad person. I'm just immoral um, by the world's standards. I'm just a degenerate. That's all. Um, sorry about that. So like, but I, no, I'm not, I'm not actually a degenerate. Like I, I'd say that I'm a good person. I'm just, um, I'm just, I'm just smart. And I understand, I know the way that it works better than other people. Like I'm, a, I'm above whatever bullshit standards people normally come up with for shit. So that's that's the problem. It's just how um, the intelligence the intelligence that's involved, but like uh, the there's a blockade that can develop around the internal external world because of all of the language that we use to divide these things, and it's like eventually over time we should recognize relativity to be a more important way of describing how the inner world interacts with the outer world by by that i mean there's this very specific divide that happens halfway between them and then surrounding this divide we devote words to be like inside of it is inhaling outside of it is exhaling or like thinking about things or just being nervous about things or anxiety and like a lot of anxiety happens internally and I would argue it's a result of not being able to translate that into words or words for the outside world or that are presentable. Like, um, for example, recognizing that you have anxiety and being able to speak that out to people so that it is no longer a secret is an important step to defeating anxiety or the same goes for anything. But I, it's like things that you, things that are secretive that when they become secretive, it's sort of like you just don't have the words or things that might make you anxious. Like anxiety uh, in, involves a lot of you thinking that what you have is so specific to you that other people can't relate to it. And then that just becomes really secretive and internalizing when you're thinking of things in those terms. But maybe a lot of it results from just thinking that this there's this world where the inner thoughts happen and it's like the internal world is very different from the external world and like uh or like thinking well and this is kind of like a mind virus i'm saying this very specific divide that happens halfway when it's a spectrum between external and internal you have the opportunity to categorize it in any way i'd say that that there's this divide halfway it's kind of like the same as the divide that makes things good versus evil, like a uh, divide halfway at all is very, um, um, it's like, you could say stigmatizing. It's like too harsh or, um, it's not accurate because it gets all of the power of all divisions that you could create all of the ways of expressing it. But I'm, I'm saying like, what would supersede a world where we're talking 
about things in terms of the in and the outer, like thoughts versus physical. How do we get rid of that? We get rid of it by being more intelligent or relativistic with the way that we describe it, or in other words, de- dissolving the barrier that's that we use, that we get power to, to dictate in versus out, and then uh, spreading it, e- spreading it more evenly across the spectrum, which is just how things evolve anyway. Like when we like how different cultures, when they develop language for colors, uh, as I've explained before, the first color that they always, the first two colors they always have are black and white, and then the third color is red, and then the fourth color is either yellow or green, and then the fifth color is then the yellow or green that they didn't uh, define with the fourth color. And this is a result of, in like, development of the human mind to describe the colors, but in other words, to categorize them more specifically. And I think that this is an area where we have not broken out of describing just the world or like the subjective world in your brain, subjective versus objective and the whatever is exactly is the dynamic between those ideas where I'd say that subjective is like the border of your physique and then inward then like in the direction of what you're thinking about and then objective is outward from the border of you um these the separation between these two things is a realm of life that we are too stupid at this point that we're just seeing it like it's black and white or it's like it's the same with any opposite like good and evil we need more categories and but that just comes with time and then we realize that well it's like there is some good and evil and there's some evil and good it's better to, I mean, and so maybe you'd argue that it's not better to see things more relatively as opposed to absolutely, because it's it's pretty absolute when there's only one divide. But uh, I'm saying that it would be actually really beneficial for us to recognize that what we're thinking about is already translating into the world or it's like actions versus thoughts actually are sort of connected. But I'm saying like there's kind of this whole being that you are and like what it influences like maybe we have maybe you or i have less control over that than we think rather than that like but it that we do have more control of it when we say like all of the thoughts happen in here and it's it's more secretive a world but i think an important thing in life is just finding the words or graduating to a new set of words or really just describing what's happening in your life to yourself like as the the way that it is like i think that it's important to find the words with anything with like a problem that you have like uh, a new description or even a adjective that sounds colorful or like it could even be a big word you're like oh that word helps because now I know how to describe the situation, like seeing it higher up. I think that it's important to find the words, and that's what anxiety is, is like um, you've got to find the words, like either to yourself or and also to other people to tell them like, oh, this, like describing it as anxiety is maybe the f- most important thing. But like 
then uh, like you have to find the words or say like, okay, this is the thing, but like that should be a constant process where you're graduating to new words because things are always new or in other words, the world is always impressing on you different judgments or like ways like face guards or masks or mind viruses that cover you up. And in order to process your way out of those, you have to come up with the words or like, and it's not like it's harmful to collect a bunch of judgments that you're living under the umbrella of, you're stuck under them. It's just like it'll make you more stagnant rather than in motion. And so you might value stopping or being stagnant. And so that actually wouldn't be the worst thing ever. It's like uh, some people can relax. And so maybe, maybe like not everybody's doing all this work to change. But I, I'm just talking about it like that, a process of changing. If you want to be a changing person, it involves finding the words to say. Like, and I think that you know when you come up with the word because I think that the words that you need that it will help you, it's kind of like discerning patterns, or like figuring out riddles. But it, it depends on if you are somebody who's like, what's the problem? Or what is there to figure out? Or like, you're always asking, why are we here? Or like, or why is life happening? Or what's my purpose? If you ask that a lot, then you're just kind of probably somebody who's in the business of finding the words, or you like changing. If you don't ask a lot of questions, you probably don't care that much about changing or like finding the new words. Um, like, it's a description, but like different, the way that different people are reflected as different situations, like that everybody is kind of like you, but then they just take on different forms. Like they, like different people you see around you are shape shifted versions of you, I think. And they're like, it's like, well, that is me. If that, all of that happened to me, that happened to that person. It's just a different um, shaping and like a different definition because they have a different title and yeah like they're they're characters but like that that the there's like mind viruses that's like a that's like a thing that just is a blockade that goes over everybody and because we don't relatively describe the connection between like and i'm not talking about just external internal i'm talking about like you or me talking to all the people that we know there's all these dividers and classist things and categorizing things they're dividers they're the result of definitions and cliques groups of people identities that make us separate and um like uh categorizing everything more specifically just kind of denigrates the value of any one category because because you're just creating too many of them, like uh, increasing a supply of categories or ways of describing people. So maybe I'm advocating for coming up with lots of descriptions or something, but it would just make the definitions in the in the like minutia so that they're like infinitized or like increasing the supply to millions means that having any one of them doesn't have a lot of value. Uh, is what I'm saying. Like uh, excess increasing, uh, if I'm advocating for increasing categories, so the different more ways of describing uh, 
the relationship between you internally versus you in out in the world. But like, um, uh, society, let me think if I said all the things that I wanted to say, there's money, there's increase, increase of supply. I'm dead serious about that. The supply increases and then, um, for real, the supply, like, I don't hate my dog. I just don't, um, like, oh, I had him for three years. That's the same. I did it. That's the same thing as having him for 12 years. Why would, what is the reason for, besides it's a more of a story or like a love story where like me and this dog loved each other until the day he died. I think it's kind of ridiculous really that I would be expected to oversee this dog's death. And everything in between because of, because like, and it's really that that's like, I'm only operating off of what I presume are other people's expectations of it. And though it's not that I just presume them, they are, those are the expectations. But how much am I willing to ignore expectations? It's just you get more into the periphery and people will take you less seriously. Like you'll be less popular the more that you disregard expectations. So it's like, it's not like you can disregard all of them. Be like, everything is under my control. Not everything is under your control because there are societal expectations that will uh, generally make you less sociable and less popular the more of them that you disregard. So it's like, it's not like I can just get rid of this dog, but I'm talking about how the nature of something that I'm saying how something is like a problem is like recursively, it's something that you're telling yourself all the time. But it's like, um, it can become a secret for most people. Like most people who want to get rid of their dog are not on a podcast than telling the entire internet about it, telling the entire world. Um, this is the entire world is hearing this and they all will hear it. That's the problem. Like, uh, but I, I, I do that because I don't want to feel like alone with uh, thinking that it's annoying to have this dog around. And um, like, comes up a lot, it's a problem, but like the, how things are a secret when they're like, that defeats the secret of it when you come up with the words too. When you come up with the words, um, I'm just kind of like, I know that this is at the tail end, so I'm like closing, trying to end it. And so I'm in the mood of ending and now I don't, feel like continuing on the train of thought but that's unfortunate because in actuality it kind of takes me like 35 minutes to really start talking a lot of times um so it's like that doesn't that doesn't matter but i'm saying i just want i'm saying about um be preventing yourself whatever i guess I, i'm mostly done I'm, I'm cutting myself off like this is the end you have to end it it's naturally this natural inclination that I'm doing to end myself, but it it kind of is has to do with a format that I'm building into my brain where it's like, well, you do this for an hour and then you get to quit or something. 
um, or like expectations too for what other people because I've made so many that are like this in this format that are this length, this length I'm following a, a pattern and like my mind has been trained to end and it's like uh, telling me and so it's like it's not easy to it's not easy to quit patterns so that's what it's like I don't know character is a difficult idea because I don't that isn't that's a thing that I don't understand now that I am processing it on this podcast as I'm saying it about like I thought that having lots of masks is bad but it's like you could actually don't you want to participate in lots of walks of life or like have a lot of authorities that you could don't you want to be able to wear lots of masks or is it just like the one that you are it's just like i think you do want to wear a lot of masks it's just your ability to do that successfully depends on your adaptability and agency inherently as a human like uh, what's behind the mask is what's going to determine how many masks you could successfully pull off because people wear it. It's like what people don't like about wearing a mask is just when you do it shitty or when you don't have the authority, it's actually not really a problem to wear a mask. I think it's not really a problem because people like it when you have the authority of something completely different or you've like been a doctor for 40 years. Why? And that is a mask because you're like, doctor, you're putting that over yourself. Christians do it and they're like, my question to Christians is like, you are being one thing every day. And what would you say that in comparison to the argument that everything in moderation, wouldn't you want to dissolve the power of this thing that you're addicted to being every day? But it's like being a Christian the performance art and the character art of it is so strong that it's like, well, not only am I a Christian, but that and that means that I believe that I am so much that it's like this black hole that keeps drawing me back or like that's the reason for my performance art because I believe it so much like like this catch 22 or something. It's being a Christian because I believe it so much that causes me to be the same thing every day. It's like the performance art is so strong that it's uh, like inescapable or something. Trick of the light. I don't know. I don't want to be rude, but like they're admittedly people who are very devoted to being a Christian. You are being one thing every day. And so what is, what's the benefit of that? Is that the best way of doing being one, be, always being one thing when you could be lots of things, but like the timeline of Christ is always, we're always under one name of time and um, same as our individual names are always under one name of time when it isn't naturally like that. And so like you would want, you want, you wouldn't want to wear one mask, but like Oliver Tree is a writer, director, producer. Like he does everything. He create, produces and writes every element of his songs. And so that's like a lot of masks sort of that you have to wear, but like he doesn't present himself as that. Um, I, I don't know. Whatever.